Hello and welcome to Film Inquiries, the latest. This is a podcast series tackling the latest movie news, movie trends, and movie releases. I'm your host, Jesse Nussman. And on the other line, walking her cloned Alexander Skarsgård on a leash, it's Christy Strauss. <laughs> yes. Um, yes, I took him with me. Um, I took him back home. I have my own clone, Skarsgård. I'm very excited about it. That's an infinity pool joke for, for anyone out there who, who doesn't get it. You didn't uh, have to clear that up. I feel yeah, like yeah. it would... <laughs> <laughs> it, just, it just sounds better without even giving context what's funny is like if there's the one person listening who's just like i don't i've not seen infinity pool but that just sounds like a totally rational thing to me of like why would you not want uh alexander Skarsgård on on a leash to be able to walk him around and do your bidding at all at all manner of the day to some people that might be just be a a reasonable thing to say exactly yes <laughs> Uh, so, Christy, you're here because you went and covered the 2023 Sundance Film Festival. So, wanted to kind of bring you on to get kind of a on the ground report of what that festival was like this year. Um, but first, before we dive into that, I felt it was only important to bring up what I I think is going to be the big movie of the weekend. Though I guess we'll see, um, Christy. I, how do you feel about what are your what are your M Night Shyamalan thoughts? <laughs> um, my M Night Shyamalan thoughts. So you know, I I feel like I either um, really love a movie or really dislike his movies. Um, there's been a lot of disappointments, and then of course there's like the happening, which is just fun because it's so ridiculous. Um, but I I love the Sixth Sense. I loved. Um, I actually a big fan of signs. Um, I think that that's in some ways, some one of us underrated as far as like people bringing it up. Um, the village I have, you know, thoughts on, um, you know, I was really disappointed with the, the ending with um, glass, <laughs> but I, but I enjoy the other two. Um, old was kind of, uh, you know, bad. Um, but you know, <laughs> uh, he's also very involved in a show on Apple TV called Servant, which I'm a big fan of. So I do feel like there's been some work that he's done. Um, and his daughter also works on that, uh, in the last, you know, so many years that I think was really good. And I feel like that's a very underseen show, but overall I'm, I'm mixed. I feel like, um, you know, when, when he's on his game, I think he's can be really good, but, uh, when he's not, it, it can really miss the mark. So that's my Shyamalan. I'm I'm probably with you. I'm I'm a little hot and cold with with him, or or not even hot and cold, just all over the map. Of there's like a bunch of his movies I think are really bad. There's about an equal amount I think are pretty good, and then you know there's a handful like The Village or uh, Split that I'm I'm sort of mixed on. I I am admittedly an old defender even though I can't quite defend the final act of that movie which I will agree with you is pretty uh pretty terrible. But I saw M Night Shyamalan's new movie uh Knock at the Cabin a couple nights ago. Um it's coming out this weekend. And you know, I I have to say I think this is one of the movies of his that mostly works for me. Um it is based off of this a uh, horror novel about a same-sex couple played by Ben Aldridge and Jonathan Groff who go to a 
cab they like rent a cabin in the woods with their young daughter and soon they are visited by these four strangers um probably the most striking of which is played by a uh very understated dave bautista and um the these strangers are carrying these like really scary looking like makeshift weapons that look like something out of like a medieval torture chamber or something and they basically tie the family up and say that they have been given visions of the future and the apocalypse is imminent and in order to save all of humanity one the family basically has to choose one of them to be a a sacrifice to save all of humanity and if they don't choose someone everyone on the planet will essentially die and so it becomes this essentially like kind of moral and ethical dilemma of like all right well how do we choose who this person is are these people even like real like are 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 they just crazy online conspiracy people um are they somehow just targeting us and coming up with this sadistic game for us to play um i can't i think like all m night Shyamalan movies it's it's a bit of a spectrum, if you will, of, of stuff that works and stuff that doesn't work. But I would say I found most of it worked, even though I will admit there are sections of it that are where the storytelling is pretty clunky or, you know, as as gifted as Shyamalan is, as kind of a, a visual filmmaker and, and being able to convey uh, suspense and and just sort of visual storytelling um maybe the way he writes characters and dialogue <laughs> leaves a little bit to be desired um so i i don't know if that at all maybe sways you to to checking out this new movie of his i i would say it is very very in keeping with a lot of the ideas that he has revisited throughout his career regarding like faith and destiny and myths and stories and how we, much we believe in those things um i it it is i think a, a rich text for all the Shyamalan auteurists out there <laughs> that that are trying to unpack his work in a deep way what a general moviegoer would think of it i i can't really say um some friends that went with me to the early press screening walked out having had mostly a good time so i i guess that's as as much as one can have a a good time with um something that I guess is essentially like a doomsday version of funny games <laughs> in my like Shyamalan uh verse um so yeah I I only felt it was right to to mention knock at the cabin but I I would put this in in the pile with signs as you mentioned and the sixth sense and old for me and and maybe like unbreakable is one of his movies that i think mostly works even though there there are sections of it where uh you can feel the the it it, it feels a little clunky and maybe the the themes he's reaching for are, are are maybe not quite getting there and i haven't seen knock at the cabin but i'm looking forward to it. and i don't think that that was any kind of spoiler because i'm pretty sure they pretty much say that description for the film Mm-hmm. anyone who hasn't seen it but i am excited to um to see where that goes and dave batista looks like he's very intense in the trailer so i'm excited to see just how intense he goes um and and you know what what is the sacrificial lamb and who, who is and if there is so we shall see um 
and yes, Unbreakable is actually another one that I um I, I liked a lot and I feel like mostly works. And one of those movies that I feel like we probably didn't need a continuation of, um, you know, with with Glass, but it's a whole other whole other thing. But yes, um, I am interested to see Knock at the Cabin, though. It, it's definitely sparked my in- interest. So. I would say if if any listeners are wanting a, a a deeper Shyamalan dive, the only reason I didn't blow it out into a whole Shyamalan episode is we basically did that on this show for when old came out. So uh, if you want to hear more Shyamalan talk, just go back into the, the the latest archives and fire up that episode. But let's transition to Sundance. I I feel like the first question I kind of want to ask you is kind of what was it like being on the ground at Sundance this year because the last two Sundances really since Sundance 2020 the festival has largely just been online and this was kind of the first year they sort of really opened the doors and had um, a lot of people coming back in person for this festival yeah um, this was the first in person since 2020 so it was like right right before the pandemic i actually remember people saying like have you heard of this <laughs> illness um yeah it was uh it was surreal it was amazing you know wonderful um overwhelming at the same time because i don't know if i've just gotten old in like three years or <laughs> the three years that are 30 years basically um but you know it's just i, I mean i I love festivals so much and I love Sundance so much. And it was really wonderful to see it back to the way it was. Um, You know, I've covered it online the last two years and that's been terrific. And I love that they're still doing that hybrid because it really allows people the opportunity to see the films if they can't make the trip. But I was very um, grateful that I was able to do that because being on the ground, it was just, um, I'd say nostalgic, but I mean, it's just, you know, it was really, really nice to, to be in these familiar places, see people I hadn't seen, um, you know, go to these theaters, have those experiences. Um, and when I say overwhelming, mostly just because it's like when you haven't done it as much, I mean, outside of Toronto Film Festival, which you were obviously at, um, you know, those are the first to return for me. So it's, it's been interesting to kind of um, go back to that. But Sundance is its own kind of special festival because it really, you know, embodies Park City and it was nice to, um, to just be back there. You know, it was, it was pretty exciting and, um, you know, kind of hectic because I always overwhelm myself with too much, too many options, too many things to do, but, uh, that is not a bad problem to have. So what, what was kind of your thought on kind of the, overall lineup this year and how how many movies would you you say you you fit in because the the gist i kind of just got from kind of glancing at social media and like uh a few people i knew like you that were there was kind of this sort of being an okay year as far as the 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 lineup of of movies and what people kind of thought after they watched most of the stuff whether it be at home or like in park city where you were Yeah. I mean, I actually thought it was a good lineup Um, from, I mean, I saw 23 movies um, and I actually have two more that I see are sitting in my inbox, which is, is late, but I'm excited to to watch. Um, But I think that, um, and I also, you know, I love like the midnight section. I actually saw um, almost all of those, 
which is is rare. I don't always get to do that, which was really exciting for me because I'm, you know, a big, weird, you know, movie horror fan. But I thought overall the lineup was good. Yeah, I mean, I I didn't have, I, I guess the best way to say it is like, I didn't have a lot of movies that I was like, wow, this was the standout for me, or I love this one. But I really didn't have many movies that I was like, wow, this was so disappointing or wow, this was poor. So, I mean, I feel like when I say good is actually as much as that's a common word, um, probably the best descriptor because it wasn't like spectacular, but it wasn't um, a letdown either. And I thought that there's, you know, there's also a really great variety. I always try to really um, hit up all the different uh, kind of um, parts of the festival, you know, um, and I, I was really, I found something to kind of get behind and root for in, in each of the sections that I saw. So, you know, and by that, I mean, um, I think I'm saying it right. Sections, right. It's like world cinema documentary. Yeah. 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 Was there kind of one movie or maybe like a handful of movies that kind of seemed like they were sort of the, the talk of the festival, like, like the most buzzed about movie on the ground that you just sort of heard a lot of people talking about. And then maybe which one was your favorite out of everything that you saw? Yeah, that there's actually two, I think that they were most um, buzzed. I think one of them got um, the overall prize, but, um, or you know, it was fair play and theater camp got a lot of buzz. Um, and, you know, I saw both of those and theater camp was, was really, I thought very funny uh, it's like a, you know, kind of faux documentary um, at a summer camp. And it was very funny, um, very sweet. Fair Play was quite different. Uh, it was very, I think Netflix bought it for like 21 million or something. Um, it was, it was, a, I'm not sure if you're familiar with it, but it's this couple and they work um, at a firm together for, um, what are they at stocks? I'm trying to think of their, my, my brain it hurts. Um, and they basically, one of them gets a position of power and it changes the dynamic in the relationship. Um, and it's the woman who does. And basically it's like a very tense, um, very um, like perceptible tension too. And I liked it, but for some reason this was one that I feel like I'm on the other side from a lot of other people because I actually thought it really kept that pace and I thought it was really entertaining and it really had you on the edge of your seat and the performances were very good. And then I feel like in the last very final act, um, it dipped down for me and I felt like it just went a little too far and it kind of, kind of lost its steam there. But overall, I still understand why it's one of the most buzzed and talked about because it's definitely a very intense experience and it's definitely uh, very well made. And, um, and theater camp has uh, Ben Platt, um, and you know, of course, um, people love Ben Platt, <laughs> which I just realized he's Oliver Platt's son. By the way, I did not know that. If anyone just wants to know a little bit of <laughs> extra uh, info, but those are the two that I've really heard the most talk about. Um, Shortcomings is another one, um, which was one that I also saw. And I thought it was really uh, cute. It was kind of different. Um, it was directed by Randall Park, who I, I believe this was like his first feature. Um, and I thought he did a terrific job with it. Um, I just, just kind of like another look at, you know, rom-com. Um, and it was a different kind of, um, we actually covered it on our, on our site. Um, one of our writers, Wilson did, and he wrote a lovely piece about it. If you want to look it over, but um that was also one that was talked a lot about that I really enjoyed. 
Um, but I think that those were the most, oh, you hurt my feelings. Uh, Nicole Hall center was one of my favorites. I kind of, you know, I, I feel like I'm very rarely disappointed by her. Same with Julia Louis-Dreyfus and uh, Tobias Menzies, who are the main couple in it. And, um, you know, she's a writer and she basically overhears her husband talking her newest book down to, um, you know, her brother-in-law. And it's, you know, it's an interesting idea for a film to, you know, because it's a comedy, it's a drama um, to kind of feed off of. And the performances are terrific. Um, so that's definitely one that's high up for me, but I also feel like, um, I don't know, I had expectations for it and it fulfilled it. So once, ones that, uh, I really loved, I also loved Shada, um, which also had, you know, one of my favorite performances. Um, and I, I really love, um, and that movie is about a, uh, Iranian mother who, who comes to find refuge with her daughter, um, who has an abusive husband. And it's one of the, my favorite performances. And she was actually, um, and it's Zara Mir Ebrahimi. I don't want to, I hope I didn't mispronounce her name, but, um, she was also in Holy Spider. Did you, I don't know if you caught that at TIFF, but it was also one of my favorite performances there. Um, and then I really liked, um, sometimes I think about dying too, which is another buzzy one with, uh, Daisy Ridley. Yeah, I I saw a couple reactions about that one. Um, the the two definitely of that you mentioned that I've sort of back over here <laughs> on the other side of the country heard a lot of people talking about was uh fair fair play, which uh, uh, you were correct. Uh, Netflix did pick that one up and has uh old former uh Han Solo replacement Alden Ehrenreich in it, <laughs> along with uh Phoebe Denever. Um, who I guess is on Bridgerton. Um, and the Nicole Hall of Center one, I've heard a lot of positive things about uh, as well. Just, uh, and I mean, I love Julia Louis-Dreyfus, so I'm, I'm, I'm game for anything. Uh, uh, who doesn't? Three others I wanted to kind of mention to you of just were ones that I heard about. Um, passages, uh, Eileen, and Past Lives, which um, Past Lives, I guess, was one that, played in person there but was not available on the online portal but um from people i know who caught it in uh park slope it it sounds like it is in in the conversation for one of the best movies of the year thus far yeah so i i didn't see past lives which is a bummer but i did see some people that saw it (laughs) and they um they they thought it was they thought it was terrific i did see passages so eileen is a whole thing though because (laughs) <laughs> I was really excited about Eileen um, and then I got stuck on a bus and I missed my uh, screening and the red carpet. So if there was one negative this time around, it was definitely the transportation. There was like times where you're waiting for hours for an Uber, the buses were taking forever. There was, tr- it was just, uh, if there's one thing, that was it. Um, so yeah, I missed Eileen, but I did hear very good things <laughs> about Eileen. Um, so, uh, and I, I wanted to see it. Um, Passages, I caught. And and yeah, that that's really uh, a good movie. It's very, um, I feel like it's a very unlikable uh, lead character. So it's like frustrating at times, but it's very well done. Um, and I know that that's also was kind of a, a big favorite to come out of the fest. Um, and yeah, I, I wish I had seen Past Lives because I really did hear, I, I heard some people were really, um, really excited about it. So I should also mention um, 
so like just kind of moving because I was looking through my list and I have quite a list. Um, but also when it comes to like the midnight section, and I know we want to talk about <laughs> Infinity Pool, um, there was some really interesting ones this year that I enjoyed. Like Birth Rebirth was was really good. That's that's the one that I heard a rumor that like paramedics had to come to one of the screenings or something like that. Yeah, I, I you know, I, I remember hearing it and I remember like, I don't know if it really happened or what if it actually had to do with the movie or if it was like unrelated because, you know, obviously the, the news is going to be like it's because of the movie, but it doesn't necessarily mean it's because I mean, honestly, could, I think could easily just be high mountain air. Yeah, exactly. Um. Yes, the mountain air and um, freezing too is probably the one of the colder uh, Sundances. But um, yeah, birth rebirth. Um, I thought by uh, Laura Moss was really interesting. It was like a, a pregnancy Frankenstein esque uh, sort of sort of movie. I really enjoyed that. Um, Talk to me was also another one that was really great. Um, I had a lot of fun with that, and uh, also my animal. Um, which is, you know, it's kind of a, um, young coming of age kind of, um, queer werewolf film. And so I thought that that was, uh, very interesting and, uh, very well done. Um, and talk to me is kind of like a, you know, one of those movies where, you know, you, you're commuting with spirits and it just doesn't work out well. Cause you know, I mean, does it ever, <laughs> but, um, yeah, I just uh, and in my mother's skin was also really good. So I was I was very happy with with the uh, with the midnight section. I I saw polite society. I was I thought it was fun, uh, very interesting, like genre blend. But uh, it it wasn't one of my favorites. Um, but yeah. So I think while we're talking about midnight section, probably worth mentioning um a movie that that was was part of that lineup that is already out and uh i actually caught up with last night um it is the aforementioned infinity pool that we (laughs) joked about earlier in the episode um i guess how to best describe it uh this is obviously the new film from brandon cronenberg which if that name sounds familiar yes he is the son of uh canadian provocateur david cronenberg and i would say the apple does not fall far from the tree um i would say if you like david cronenberg's movies you'll probably like brandon cronenberg's movies um and it follows a kind of washed up writer uh played by alexander skarsgård who is vacationing with his very rich wife in this fictional country um one night after partying with some new uh, vacation friends that they make, uh, one of which is played by Mia Goth, who was in uh, X and Pearl last year. Um, Alexander Skarsgård's character runs over a, uh, or I guess doesn't really run over, but hits a pedestrian with his car and winds up in this fictional country's prison system. But they have this kind of loophole where, for tourists that are able to pay a a a, a sort of generous uh, donation, they are willing to clone you and uh, have someone else stand in for you at your execution because virtually everything in this country is punishable by death. Um, right. <laughs> and so that's kind of all I want to to. To mention about this movie that's kind of the the initial setup 
And from there, it sort of uh, devolves into, I think, one of the crazier movie experiences I think I've seen. I don't know that it totally works or I totally even liked it, but I, I had to, walking out of the theater last night, just sort of like admire the kind of batshit insanity of it all. Um, and th this really is like, it is a, I, I believe that the cut that was shown at Sundance is NC 17. They obviously were not showing the NC 17 version at the, the, the regal Atlantic station last night. But uh, this is a movie that is just about every kind of bodily fluid you can imagine getting sort of spewed onto the screen and is a, as I said, surreal, grotesque nightmare scape that uh, is kind of the like body horror version of like White Lotus. Like it is kind of in pairing with a lot of these movies like Triangle of Sadness or Glass Onion or uh, the menu of this, this sort of critique of a, a certain kind of 1% privilege um, and doing that inside of this nasty, gnarly body horror movie about like what what happens when you get a window into like a level of quote unquote luxury that that is just sort of like way ahead of you and you have access to that kind of uh power and without um, consequence right an excess without consequences and how kind of dangerously enticing that can all be um as i said i i don't know that i would say it i i it's great, but like I again, I kind of have to admire just sort of the absolute insanity of it, and kind of you know it a, a real sort of like kick down the doors, punk rock, uh, nasty, gnarly genre movie. But um, what what did you think of it? <laughs> um, yeah, and I, it was the unedited um, <laughs> at Sundance. I saw it at its premiere, and you know we've talked about this before i believe um about how sometimes when you see a movie at like a festival is there a level of like do you like it more because of the experience or you know sometimes you see something a second time and it, it very well might be this with infinity pool but uh for whatever reason the experience of seeing this in the theater seeing the unedited seeing also meeting like the cast before and talking to brandon cronenberg um who is just like by the way a really wonderful <laughs> um and very uh humble human being but um it's just something about that made it even more exciting to me and it's it is kind of a hard movie and i do i did review it but it is a hard movie to kind of um put into words <laughs> as far as like do you love it i i really uh admire it like you said and it definitely you know <laughs> balls to the wall <laughs> um and you know no pun intended there with the uh the orgy scenes but um that is true or the other uh i'll i'll, I'll just i'll just leave it there another another potentially testicle involved sequ infamous sequence in the movie um yeah there's definitely like no no holds bar i mean he um he did not hold back it's very it's, the unedited is very explicit it's um it's kind of like a fever dream of just debauchery. It's um, Mia Goth's terrific. I mean, it's interesting because at the Q and A, someone said something like, "Did you uh, kind of channel your Pearl and X character?" Because there's kind of similarity, and she said it was actually filming like all at the same time. So 
it wasn't necessarily that one took from another um but she's you know terrific i just think uh i'm excited to see where her career goes and alexander skarsgård is is also wonderful and you know there's um there's definitely a lot of excess and i think you know there's some interesting uh mask work in this that i love um it's all practical and prosthetics which is very fun um i feel like there's definitely a shock value element that you know maybe some people just think is kind of um either too far <laughs> or and or um like trying to get a reaction and that might you know deter some people but for me i i enjoyed it i feel weird saying i enjoyed it but i <laughs> like like that's like wait um should i make a call to myself no um but, you know, I, I just thought, uh, you know, it was also like kind of the experience and it was a really fantastic midnight show to get a premiere of at Sundance to see. And um, the, the, the whole audience was very much alive and the reactions of the things on screen um, were really, really quite uh, incredible. And I now have um, these masks of them, of Skarsgård and Mia Goth that I have no idea what to do with. They were they were passing out. Most awkward thing to sit in the theater with, by the way, is like a stick with their faces on it. Um, <laughs> and you have like your winter coat, your 20 bags. Um, but yeah, it was uh, it was an experience, you know? I feel like that's the best way to say it. And I really do admire how... Because there's also an artistic element to a lot of what he does in it. Um, I feel like this is more body horror than even um, like Possessor, which I loved. Um, you know, obviously leaning into his father's inspiration probably there. But uh, I do think, you know, he does have his own um, his own style and look. And I, I do think he's one of the more interesting, and there's so many right now, um, younger horror directors. So I'm really excited to see where it goes. But there's also some great comedy in this. Um, there's some great, you know, <laughs> thought provoking themes of, you know, how far could you go? What would you do? And also like, what does that mentally do to you to see yourself be executed? Um, and some of those things I wish maybe they dive more into and pulled back on the, on the excess. But overall, I, I, I do think it was, uh, it was, it's, it's a positive for me. It definitely fits into what I feel like is sometimes, uh, a, a forgotten or or an aspect of the Sundance experience that, and maybe this is a little uh, dumb for me to say as someone who's never never attended a Sundance Film Festival <laughs> covering it, but um, you know the the quote unquote shocking Sundance title um, that really is there to kind of push people's buttons and be provocative is you know I I I think a staple having like at least one of those movies each each year going you know all the ba way back to like tarantino premiering reservoir dogs and people you know gasping being like oh my god they cut that guy's ear off um i want to ask you about your favorite performances of the festival any any particular ones you you feel like mentioning yeah um and i wish i could see go back in time and see reservoir and see people's reaction to um uh that scene with the ear um, yeah, so, I mean, there's honestly a lot of, um, really terrific performances. I feel like in many ways, um, I feel like a lot of the female performances stood out to me and, you know, like I said, from Shada, um, that was one of my favorites. I also really thought that, um, Eliza Scanlon in Starling Girl was really terrific. Um, you know, I'm, 
I had first seen her in uh, Sharp Objects, I believe, and she's, I don't know if you're familiar with that, but she, it's which is really good, and she's really good in it. And in this, you know, she's, um, you know, coming of age, she's very religious, and she starts a relationship with a young pastor, which is Lewis Pullman, and he's also terrific in it as well. And, uh, you know, obviously that's not... <laughs> you're not supposed to do that. Um, but it's, she, she's really fantastic in it. Um, and I feel like everybody in birth rebirth is pretty, um, spectacular. Uh, Judy Reyes, um, Marin Ireland, Rita Wool. Um, and again, those are all you know females, but it just so happens to work out that way. And another one I'll highlight, um, and I'm sorry, cause there's so many, <laughs> um, if you know me, I'm horrible at picking like one of anything ever, but also I just get so excited talking about stuff like this that I just could keep going and keep going. But, um, it's a movie called slow and the two lead performances in that, uh, it's a Lithuanian film, um, were really terrific as well. Um, and so those two were just fantastic. And that's a, uh, a drama romance about a dancer and, um, an interpreter that started a relationship and he's asexual and it's, uh, it's a really, um, just a wonderful film, but their performances are really stand out as well. So. Yeah. Another one I, 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 I heard of, I didn't necessarily hear a lot of positive buzz about the movie but as far as just like individual performances did hear a a, a lot of about uh jonathan majors in this magazine movie. dreams yeah yeah i wanted to see that i've heard really fantastic things it was one that um i missed unfortunately but i did hear that he was fantastic in it and i look forward to it i mean the description alone i i feel like i'm excited to, to see what he what he does in that one. Yeah, I would also say Daisy Ridley, by the way. And sometimes I think about dying. She really is very, very good in that movie. And it's I feel like, um, you know, coming away from Star Wars, it's like we need to we need to give Daisy Ridley more performances like this. So more roles like this. Um, and that's so, yeah, that's another one. But I just uh, I had a great time. Thank you for having me on to talk about it. It was uh, a whirlwind. You know, those festivals, they always like you do so much and it goes by so fast. Um, but it's, it's always wonderful to be back in Park City and always wonderful to see new movies. So yeah, I had a good time and I could talk about it probably for a year. So, well, Christy, thank you, uh, for, for filling us in and stopping by this week, uh, in the coming weeks on the show, I believe next week, uh, we're going to do a, a Steven Soderbergh episode because uh, Magic Mike, The Last Dance is coming out and uh, it offers a, a special opportunity to talk about one of the more diverse filmographies uh, in, in recent movie history. Uh, Christy, are you a, a Soderbergh head? Yeah. <laughs> Soderbergh head. is that the uh is that the official language i'm, I, I'm, I'm tvming it i like it uh i guess i'm like a partial Soderbergh head. <laughs> um but are you gonna make the whole episode just breaking down channing tatum's dance moves um we're gonna live stream me dancing the entire, the entire podcast. podcast oh okay yeah. that, that makes sense yeah yep. okay cool uh, and then afterwards, uh, we're going to talk about Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantum Mania, which also stars Jonathan Majors. Um, and we'll see if the, the Marvel Universe can steer the ship back on course after a very messy phase four.